0: So, Gabe, I was thinking, not too many people that are listening to this podcast might know might know who you are
1: yet, right, yeah, I would be surprised if they did,
0: so I was like, <laughs> man, we really the pressure's on because these first if they've gotten through my preamble in the in the introduction and and they're willing to give it a shot, I mean these first like two or three minutes have to be really slamming. Good to, point, um, I
1: better. Better be more awesome than, than I was planning to be then. Yes.
0: I think always, I think always. (laughs) So, uh, so I'll just, I'll just turn the tables over to you. So if you just want to, you know, tell me something to keep people interested, um, in, in, you know, right now, so we could just kind of hook them and then they'll be in for the rest of the show. Okay.
1: Can you give me a drum roll? I'd prefer, um, like, you know, like, uh, sort of like, uh, a lilting triplet. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Maybe something a little bit more with, like, uh, a little bit more, like, Afro-Cuban clave on there, too. There we go.
2: <laughs> Oh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ecotopian Independence Day fireworks extravaganza!
1: Featuring Shake Your Peace and Gabe Dominguez. Don't switch to another podcast right now. This interview is not going to suck. It's going to feature thoughts and uh, feelings about ecotopia and the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible. We're going to talk about whoop music, which is a combination of Afro-Latin and Caribbean rhythms, marching band percussion, bluegrass fiddle, gospel choir, porch-stomping American roots music, and ecotopian perspectives all mushed together into a new American musical gumbo. Um, Maybe we'll we'll play some examples of it on the podcast. I don't know if if that's something you can do, but either way, this conversation will be hopefully interesting if you're interested in any of those things that I've mentioned, any of those buzzwords or categories. Um, My name is Gabe Dominguez. I'm a musician. you probably never heard of me. And but I hope that you find me and Ezra's conversation thrilling and um and titillating, which reminds me of a joke. How do you titillate an ocelot?
0: <laughs> um, I feel like I should know this. <laughs> I think I might have told you I, this joke I, before. I, well, I, I feel know. like it's just a, some sort of play on words <laughs> that yeah. you, 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 t- uh, tell me. You oscillate its tits a lot Oh Okay, I was going to say like you oscillate Yeah, good one Well, hello everyone And welcome back To the Ezra Lip Hour More or less I'm so excited to be here today, and if you could get any sense of it for the uh, wonderful introduction we just had from my friend uh, Gabe here, um, it's going to be a really cool episode, and I, I stand by that. So, a little backstory, I know you don't know Gabe, most likely, um, yeah, he's not in a... Uh, super famous band or anything like that, although he's an incredible musician and singer and performer and entertainer. He's one of the most uh, really um, creative and, and well-spoken, um, ar- articulate and inspiring people I know. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Um, basically, um, we're, you're going to learn all about Gabe, and and I should I should say that we recorded this conversation... Just about a year ago, I believe it was February or March twenty nineteen. It is now February, early February twenty twenty. Um, and I just re-listened to our conversation that we had, and um, I assure you it's just as relevant now than when we had it. Um, and anyway, Gabe Gabe is a is a good old friend of mine. Um and kind of uh represents a creative time in my life when i first moved to the bay area in 2006 after going to college in vermont and and growing up in massachusetts and rhode island um and it uh i i found a community of musicians and activists and um bicycle enthusiasts and creative people that uh really helped shape my my formative years as an early 20 something in the Bay Area. Um and uh was responsible for a lot of musical connections at the time, which actually precede probably a lot of the musical relationships I'm more known for now. Um, but that's okay. Um it was a different chapter in my life, and it was it was a wonderful chapter. And Gabe, um as well as Gabe so Gabe Dominguez and and um his my my good friend Sonia Cotton who he would end up uh marrying and having uh children with and is still living happily with today um were we're two people very instrumental in that time and Gabe is is so interesting because he uh you'll you'll hear I'm 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 going to let him do most of the talking but he um he leads this uh this somewhat now in retirement or uh band called Shake Your Peace although it's not entirely accurate and hopefully you'll understand that uh as you listen and he also um was the co-director and founder of the bicycle music San Francisco bicycle music festival for 8 consecutive years um i think they were consecutive which was an amazing all bicycle powered festival that he um he created and he is really uh forging this path towards ecotopia and in the end of the episode we talk about um where he thought some of the creative endeavors he was involved in were going in at the time and i have uh an update that i'll reveal at the end of the episode just to give it a little more context um, because he has found some really cool places to put his energy. Um, but uh, I'll save that for the end. But if you don't make it till the end, which I encourage you to do, but or you want to jump ahead because you can't wait, I would just say check out the website ecotopianow.org, which is Gabe's latest project. Anyway... Gabe's Gabe's wonderful, beautiful person and I think this conversation should leave you feeling inspired and energized as it did me. So, without further ado, please welcome my good friend and amazing person Gabriel Dominguez. Gabe, that was a brilliant introduction. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. You, you, I think you really delivered on that one. So Thanks, man. I know I wouldn't listen to me either
1: if I didn't know who I was. So hopefully that but I would listen to me after that intro because I'm interested. I happen to be interested in all those buzzwords that I mentioned, so it works out.
0: Yeah. So where's where where to start? We got we had Ecotopia, we had Whoop Music, Shake Your Peace. Uh, at some point I'd like to talk about bicycle music festival. Um, but, uh, first, uh, how's Utah? You, uh, you, uh, maybe that's not the most exciting place to start. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you about the weather. Let's talk about your new record that, uh, (laughs) that you just completed. And, and, um, so Gabe, uh, your band, Shake Your Peace. I, I kind of watched you toil on the sidelines for, or I was on the sidelines for for many years. I mean not really on the sidelines of but I was watched from afar and up close as you toiled on this uh record, which um I gotta say is great. Love it. Great. Uh I'm really proud that it's here. I'm really psyched to have it and it's I'm gonna I know it'll be many years of enjoyment and um I recommend to everyone listening to the show to, to seek it out. Uh shake your peace. what music. It's as at the time of this conversation it is completed but still not officially released so maybe maybe let's just start with with the the end and and what happened uh with the kickstarter and and how you finally brought this thing to to completion
1: yeah so i mean it started just like any indie album um you know hopeful unknown artist um with funding with my own money um working with a friend who's a talented engineer here in the bay area named Blake Henderson and we just kind of we just kind of went into it seeking bigfoot um thinking based on the this conspiracy theory that I'd hatched that this hairy wilderness beast of music might exist out there somewhere in the musical woods that it, that we could kind of scare it up and I'd been working with a with a band a core band um five people um under the name Shake Your Peace uh, working, like developing these concepts and sketches that I had. So we had like a live version of the band, but the album version was was like what I was really trying to make the true sound. What I was truly really trying to find was this 30-person whoopestra, I-, I call it, of sound, sort of like a, an anarchist marching band, gospel choir, um, celebration where you could, you know, a recording where you could, Ideally, if you crank it loud, you could feel the sweat, sweaty elbows, you know, squishing by your elbows. Um, so we started ambitiously trying to find this mythical beast. And we weren't, I mean, we weren't actually sure that it was totally going to work. I There were many moments during the process of working on the album where Blake and I were like, uh, this is too much
0: like there's too much
1: happening this, and you this, was this <laughs> in the
0: beginning or, or the, the latter days <laughs> kind
1: of through the whole the whole time okay. There, were, I mean I mean by the end we'd had we'd had enough victories where, where we had like hit a wall in a song and just been like okay wait the marching band percussion is kind of like clobbering the, the intricacy of like the Afro-Latin uh, salsa beat or something so how do we salt and then we have the bluegrass fiddle going and then we have like this like kind of complex call and response, syncopated gospel choiry stuff happening. So there's like these moments of sort of like um like the 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 pictures I've seen of like Bombay traffic or something. It's like mm. eighty different directions, eighty different initiatives of direction uh, intersecting with hope brimming in their heart <laughs> to get through the mess to the other side. Um Maintaining life and limb, and we uh we sorted through it enough times through a lot of editing really like because you know we'd layer layer and layer and layer, and then we just kind of kind of carve it out so that to give everything a place and we we'd found like a balance enough times uh, through the process that I think by the end we were like, okay, we know this is possible like we we've gotten some we've gotten some like cast some footprints of Bigfoot we've got some pictures that are a little less grainy. Then they were at the beginning like, we think we have some evidence to show the world that this beast exists. And so by the end we were like, We're pretty confident we can we can we can find Bigfoot and like convince him to sit down to dinner with us. So I should so say that's B- kinda...
0: Bigfoot aka Big Whoop was what you were
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The big whoop. What is the big whoop? <laughs> yeah, what is it? What's the big whoop as well whoop music, hopefully. And um so yeah, so oh, so then by the end so it took seven years. This whole process of developing this, um, this kind of, this musical gumbo, this recipe, and then just through the struggles of not, you know, self-funding and the um, the scope and scale of this of this album, uh, combined with you know mental health, you know, struggling with depression, being a, like an activist-oriented person in United States and in this world and just being, feeling sensitive and feeling scared and feeling kind of beat down, losing, losing hope at points or, or just running out of money or becoming like getting married and moving, becoming a dad of two kids, having a flood in our house. Like just a lot of things just kind of waylaid the project for years. Um, and I just sort of barely peck away at it. But eventually it got to this point where this, this last year, 2018, um, with our second child on the way, due in like a month, Sony and I were, were like, "Okay, what could we do for income?" It basically was as crude as that, basically. And I was like, "Well, I've been wanting to finish Whoop Music. Maybe I can get this album done as my job for while well, our daughter is is new on the planet, and I'm at home. And you know, that kind of seems like the ideal job because it feeds a lot of birds with one scone. We've got." album finally being finished and we've got uh money to pay for our life and to pay for the musicians i need to pay and all the gear and all the things that i need to finish this thing up and then at the end all of our um we we come out the other end with a hopefully a healthy daughter and hopefully a healthy album and and fans are happy i'm happy and band is happy everyone's happy so and that's at work the community's totally rallied and i was I thought that the number we set, like the goal, is ambitious. But I was buoyed by your success with your Kickstarter, Ezra, and other community members' success. So I was like, I'll, you know, I'll try. Sonia had my wife had had a, a couple successful Kickstarter campaigns for her album, so I was like, oh, I'm going to give this a try and see if, kind of like the pedal-powered sound system that my friends and I like to use at concerts, if I set it up and I make a pitch from the mic, will people? Rally and jump on the bikes and pedal and give me their energy so I can make some music for them and 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 people pulled through in a, like spectacular ways. I was, I was really humbled. Like, yeah, bone chilling, humbled by the amount of um, sacrifice. I know a lot of people went through to give me money because uh, you know our a lot of our friends are artists and activisty types and musicians and they're making as much as if they're successful they're probably making as much as a school teacher and most of my musician friends are not successful so right <laughs> so and they're not, like giving in, me money in those terms at least in the yeah in the right right exactly you know in terms of like <laughs> happiness and meaning doing great but in terms of money so i was just flabbergasted that you know friends who are violin makers and and like community gardeners and, you know, stuff like that are, are digging deep. I I was, I was like, this album, I want this album to kick ass for them. And I had that community in mind the whole time. I was like, this is for people who are, um, at the beginning of the song, at the beginning of the record, I talk about the, the, uh, you know, I say, you know, Hey, I'm a beat up dreamer too. I'm a justice fighter too. I'm a penniless oatmeal eater a student turned farmer, a renter turned squatter. Yeah. I'm a bed frame breaker. I'm a river rock layer honor. Um, so it's, I'm just kind of identifying with like the community I come from and, and saying, you know, this is, this album's for you. Like you're not alone, um, hold up in suburbia or in the grind in the city, um, or out in the country, woofing on your organic farm or sleeping under the bridge and, A crusty punk or riding the rails or whatever, like I'm like, I'm with you too,
0: like out on the margin and I hear you and I feel you. And this album is for you. So this theme of ecotopia is something that is, is near and dear to your heart and, and, and frankly near and dear to my heart, although I don't quite articulate it and uh, it's not as thematic and you know, my, my messaging is yours, but um, it's something that, it's it's prevalent it's it's in your music and then also in conversations with you being your your friend over the years um will you describe to the listeners what you are referring to uh yeah yeah
1: totally yeah yeah. and 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 i appreciate that like how you said you know you you sort of articulate it differently than i than i would and i To me, it's just, yeah, it's like the language I like to use to refer to something that so many of us share, which is just a a strong hunch um, confirmed by by little moments here and there and maybe some big moments, um, uh, pivotal moments in our lives confirmed that the more beautiful world that our hearts imagine is possible is just under the concrete. And it, it can be jackhammered out through a little bit of effort um, through, through you know, like uh, through music, through community gatherings, through, um, uh, through activism, through lending a hand, like micro kindnesses, uh, you know, just rearranging, inverting the power structures that are killing the world and alienating us from one another. And instead, um, listening to the heart of love and listening to the dreams that we have that people tell us we're stupid or hippies or naive for having. For revering nature, for revering community power, things like that, um, and just and like the little, just those moments. I know we've all had them. Like uh, any of us who I would consider ecotopians, you know where someone is selling a canyon for real for uh, like a real estate development, and it's just this absurdity. And you know, like I must not be the only one who thinks this is utterly absurd that this canyon could be sold like that. Somebody thinks. That there's some something that entitles them to put a price tag on this canyon and then sell it to people, other than gross and utter violence. Like there's no other explanation. Like, and that's the lowest fucking bar that humans humans can set is just like, yeah, we did this because we're violent enough to do it. And it's like we all know we're capable of such such great love and sacrifice and gr- and and big dreams and harmony with the living planet and so on. So when I say ecotopia I'm referring to that vision that so many of us share of essentially a culture of social and ecological justice. And um and that's that's my muse. And the in and the term ecotopia I didn't make up. That's a, the title of a book I love called, by uh, a Bay Area author named Ernest Callenbach who wrote Ecotopia and established the genre of ecotopian fiction. So it's like a kind of like a Utopian fiction subgenre.
0: Can you unpack a little bit when you talk about uh, the canyon and the selling of it being rooted in violence? What, what you're referring to?
1: Yeah. So I guess <clears throat> one of the one of the unquestioned assumptions that I was raised with is this idea that land can be bought and sold. Now, of course, my family is a, raised my sister and I very much to be hypercritical of authority in general. So there was always like a I trusted when I was like that's absurd. Um when I had that feeling or that thought I I I trusted it. I didn't entirely dismiss it. However, the culture that I was raised in, especially growing up in Utah, but in America in general and in and in material um capitalism in general, there's the it's this assumption that that we are entitled to Own and sell land, which is based, you know, when it comes down to something literally like selling this canyon near where I grew up called Rock Canyon, it was going to be auctioned off. And um, the only reason that's possible is because, well, I mean, I guess you just trace out, well, if you tried to stop the sale, who would... Who would get angry about it? So, okay, so of course there's the initial stakeholders, those who believe they own the canyon, property holders, and they would come out and raise a ruckus, probably immediately calling the police. And so the police come out, and the police say, "Uh, "Yeah, you can't, you can't uh, stop the sale of this canyon. You need to leave. You can't occupy this and defend it from bulldozers or whatever might be coming through, or we'll arrest you." and and then you say okay well who gives the the police the power and then we realize that it's this whole or let's say you get enough protesters out there you overwhelm the local police okay so then it becomes you know multiple state uh, city police departments then maybe if if even uh you escalate beyond that it becomes the national guard national guard comes out and even beyond that then you get the US military so basically you're just scaling up in these level, levels of violence until you get to the US military and you realize that the this the power structure exists for multiple reasons, but one of the reasons they exist is to is to be the muscle behind the will of the American capitalist agenda worldwide. So anywhere anybody, any indigenous voice resists any voice that would say, no, but what about ecotopia? What about the Canyon's right to exist for its own right, just to be beautiful and to, and to whistle when the wind blows through it. Um, That voice is systematically annihilated by the greatest army that, or the most powerful army that has ever walked the face of the earth because it is antithetical. It is, it is the warring point of view to the view of uh, of exploitation, entitlement, and rape, that our current government, I believe, is is set up to to enforce and to inflict upon the land, upon any any indigenous community, uh, animal, mineral, human. But so, in any in uh, in a civilized person like ourselves, who feels the whisperings of indi- indi- indigenous, uh our indigenous uh, heritage and our indigenous nature and and wants to stand up and say, well, this just isn't right. And then they say, well, you're so inconsistent. What, you're on your laptop from Mac that uses precious earth minerals that were mined from wherever. But the point is, it's like, but the point is, is that I feel now. I know what is true now. I am not perfect. I have blood on my hands. The spoils of war are in my home. It's true. But I also... Understand fundamentally that this is an egregious tra- uh, transgression of our of of the more beautiful world of our responsibility of our relationship with the land, and so we take the stand and uh, and encounter the mof- the essentially the organized crime, the mafia that is this government or if you're what you know pick your country i'm not trying to pit it against america in particular the ecotopian vision isn't antithetical to america in particular it's it's like it's antithetical to industrial civilization any industrial civilization any culture that feels entitled to murder its own planet uh, in the same way that like a father a crazy father would feel entitled to like um murder and 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 beat it's their you know their spouse or their, or their children, or, you know, it's just that same kind of, um, entitlement uh, to violence and actually or the belief, like I, I would go so far as to say there's sort of a righteousness that people have. It's like almost like a holy mandate, um, to, to violate and that someone's power, their greatness as a nation, their greatness as, as a man, their greatness as a white person or whatever the oppressive class Categorization might be is is uh, is proved by the fact that they are quote unquote stronger than a woman or stronger than children or able to bulldoze a canyon. If like the, the fact we have the means to do it, the muscle to do it means that we must be smarter, more powerful, and our it's our divine it's the divine ordering of power that we inflict this violence upon the world. And so to me, that's like a psychotic sociopathic worldview and that's what i see acted out when people are putting a for sale sign up in front of a canyon
0: although <laughs> i would i would i mean i i i i'm 100 percent with you and and follow that and and share these these feelings um i think it's it's maybe important to acknowledge that the the person that is putting the for sale sign up yeah. is is not seeing it from that perspective, clearly, you know? No, they're, sure, they're not, sure. You know, they're not seeing this as, this is my stance raping the world, you know?
1: No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. No, no, no. I mean, and I, I should be clear, right? On this album, there's a song yeah, that uh, built a bridge between my mom, the realtor, and her son, the anarchist,
0: which is it's sort of
1: like, It's a true true song. It's track seven on the album. And it's
0: um it's like a comedic We're gonna play it on the show, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, I'll just (laughs) play it right now.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: here it is.
2: When my mom the realtor sees a new ivory home development. she's hard working she sees a market opportunity she sees money when her son the anarchist beholds the prefab robot turds shout out of some southern california factory hole growing for growth's sake looking like a big mistake he sees cancer What I'm trying to say
3: is, I love my mother anyways. I love my mother
2: anyways. She loves me anyways. My mom, the realtor, used to smoke dope and wear tie-dye. Remembers being four years old and marching with her in the streets of Berkeley in the eighties Now as we ride in her Lexus SUV to Costco You can bet I still keep a place reserved for her in the revolution anyway Cause what I'm trying to say is I love
3: my mother
2: she'd do anything for me anything except for stop spraying her lawn and I'd do anything for her anything except for maybe get a job her generation birthed us and now they're trying kill us all. They worked real hard to raise us, now we're carved to melt our glaciers, invested in our swim lessons, and guaranteeing that we'll have to test them, (laughs) anyway. But
3: either way, the thing is, I love my mother. She loves me,
2: anyways. My mom puts me first, she's the only person on this earth who does that piece. While I chant, earth first, she still puts me first anyways her political cause along with my sister and brother-in-law and her two kids she loves being a grandma along with staying married to my pa for so long it's a miracle for all that I gotta say to y'all though you know I love the cause my tomorrow comes before every cause and all of y'all cause that's the way I love my mom that's the way I love
1: most of all too pa so certainly what i my point is with with that song is to basically say you know our our loyalties um, have to be fundamentally grounded not in our politics but in our love for one another and um, my mom if essentially and i say this in in a little video that a friend of mine made that called Vela visionaries, but basically there's no revolution or social movement. I'd want to be a part of that. My mom couldn't also be a part of. And, right. um, and cause I die for her before I die for anything else. So wh- who am I to say, uh, to, to try to stake some holy ground above my mom or something like that. It's sort it's ridiculous, honestly. I mean, and so in that sense, I completely agree with you. I am the realtor and she is the anarchist in many areas of our life. And, um, She's not one thing and I'm not just one thing. I'm a horrible anarchist lots of times and uh and a great realtor sometimes. <laughs> and and vice versa. My mom can be pretty hardcore. I mean, she she did take me out to protests in the eighties and she she's she's made some really um brave stands in her life um in her communities, standing up for women's rights and standing up for um kids' rights and uh sex education in schools or you know, what, whatever it was. She's just she's like a she's an activist in her own way. So um, like Charles Eisenstein says, the author that I know you and I both appreciate, I'm like the person who puts up the for sale sign in the canyon is simply me with, an, with a different life experience, but or doing exactly what I would be doing had I had their life experience. And it's, it's hard to hear that as like the self-righteous activisty part of me, the religious part of me, you might say, it's hard to hear that because I want to be um, part of the saved group or the holy group or whatever. But the point is, it's like that's silly. Like ultimately, um, what's most powerful is when we understand this is a this is a, an issue of paradigm and it's an issue of skill set and of like a religious problem. Sort of our, our cultural mythology, the way we understand the world, what's right, what's wrong, who has power, who doesn't. Um, and that if we can help one another through our imbecility and our and our comical and sadly super violent uh, stumblings across planet earth as industrial civilized people that we can we can help one another improve and we can help hold one another accountable and we can help hold one another to the sound in our heart that is resonating with the canyon and remind people the person putting up the real estate sign that they actually i mean especially in utah like i would be willing to bet that this person actually loves that canyon they might even have a relationship with that canyon have grown up hiking in it and learning the plants and animals and 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 have life stories in these canyons and yet they still feel because of the mythological overlay the the necessity, entitlement, the need to sell it. It's the right thing. It's the manifest destiny to sell it. It's the holy thing to do. So I think that, but there is discord, I believe in many people's hearts as we, as we carry out the general's orders, so to speak, in our industrial civilized lives. Like for me, it's on things like driving a car, you know, as a bike activist, it just, I'm like, I never feel great about turning that key in the ignition or like single use plastic or you know whatever these kinds of little things, I'm just like so they're so obviously discordant. But I really appreciate it when other people who are holding the ecotopian vision or story are are gentle and kind with me, whether it's my mom or you or whoever, and help hold me, help remind, sing me the song that's in my own heart, and remind me of the song I carry in me, the of the more beautiful world that I that I seek, that I want with all of my heart, you know, and and they they fan that little ember and turn it back into a flame for me through through their kindness, through their love, through their artwork. And so, yeah, I don't I I do I don't fault we pawns of the game um but and I appreciate our willingness to hold the story collectively and encourage one another because I've benefited so much in my life from other people's patience and kindness as I've said horribly offensive things and done and continue to do super uh, hypocritical and stupid things I, I really appreciate people's um kindness with me and gentleness in me in that on the other hand we might also need to chain ourselves with our bulldozers and and resist them you know it's all
0: it's both end it's with love well, in our heart is so is there <laughs> as as you see it is there a place where industrial civilization uh modern society technology perhaps capitalism like any of these things merge with ecotopia in a way that feels to make sense with you or is there an inherent uh discordance with our way of lives with ecotopia, even though we're might want it in our hearts, but be living within a different system, different systems.
2: Yeah.
1: I, it's a really good question. And I think that's a great question, like a great muse, you know, and cause I don't know the answer. Yeah. How does, how does what, um, all of the industry and, uh, the libraries, the violin, the, uh, the computer, the internet, the, how do these things interface with a culture who does not believe anymore that we are separated from and superior to the living planet? I'm not sure because I'm, you know, I'm my perspective is limited, but I think that's a great question for, for anybody in whatever field they're in to be asking. And so for me as a musician, right, that question of how does touring how does being a band how does being like a fucking rock band who wants to rock interface with ecotopia that muse uh in my little subsector of society has led me to experiment and i think that's what kind of the best i can do as a kid who was raised in american suburbia with the skill set and tool set i was raised with is to start experimenting and be like okay well In my imagination, you know, in the fairy tale world, I'm going to imagine here, which I think is a great place to start in any of these questions. How does a musician tour in Ecotopia? Well, maybe they ride a bike. Maybe they walk and carry their instruments with them. What do the shows look like? Are the shows played acoustic? Are they played with a sound system? Well, maybe they're played acoustic because maybe there aren't sound systems in Ecotopia. On the other hand, We have all this sound equipment and we have all these bikes. What if we could just power the sound system that we already have with bicycles that we rode to the gig? Okay, let's try that, you know? And so then we create the bicycle-powered sound system and the Bicycle Music Festival and things like that. So these are all, these aren't like, and so the answer is, folks...
0: These are all things you did, I just want to These are things I've done, yeah, 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 Yeah. multiple times, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Bike tours, walking tours, and and the community I'm a part of. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people... Centered in the in Northern California in the, in the Bay Area, bands and artists um, who are who are experimenting with this and continuing to progress it and push it and carry the torch, and say and ask this question: What? How do I be a musician in accordance with this vision for the more beautiful world that I hold in my heart? There's many of us trying to do that, and so and I think if you you know say say you're a industrial engineer or a mechanical engineer, I think saying what. What does Ecotopia need mechanically engineered? You know, is it like how do we how do we safely destroy dams? How do we re-engineer our, our water systems? How do we re-engineer uh, boats? How do we re-engineer air travel? I mean, there's so many different. It's kind of a wondrous question because it's like how do I how do I use my skill set, my talents for love instead of for profit or acclaim, or fame. Or success, quote unquote, in the, as the world tends to define it. How do I do? How do I clean up a beach for free that has an oil spill on it in the most beautiful and effective way possible? And how do I? And that might not just be a technological solution. Like, well, I've created these nanoparticles. It's like, well, maybe it's a social technology. It's like I've figured out a way to connect with a community of people and catalyze them to show up on the beach and use a rudimentary technology like. Oyster mushrooms which will digest diesel fuel they and then and neutralize it, you know, and so you but yeah. the main technology is the people that you're able to bring out. So right. you know, there's so many different ways of imagining and so many skill sets and talents that can be transformed with the question, the muse of what would this be like in Ecotopia? How would this look if as if if we actually did this trade as though we gave as if we wanted to make the planet better, not worse for me having practiced this trade.
0: That's um yeah, those are great beautiful examples of our collective potential if uh if with the right intentions. Um I'm I'm wondering as I don't want to, I don't want to delve too far away from where we're going. And, but, um, I guess that's not really possible, but, uh, uh, but as, as the, you know, to let's, if we might as well just like jump at the deep end here, like if as, as things, um, progress and our political climate gets more and more insane and toxic and, uh, the the world's powers continue to accumulate more and more, you know, weapons that could destroy our worlds many times over. Yeah. And we seem to have crazy people at the helm of all this. Yeah. Um, Do you feel like, (laughs) like ecotopia, the world, the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible, like is, is further away or, or just probably or perhaps like just even closer beyond the, the veil or, or how do you, how do you, how do you see, justify that or rationalize that or think about that in these That's times? A great,
1: yeah, man, see, and this is what, this is what literally would make me hide under the bed for like for days, you know, just like this thought, how does my tiny little fragile dream that gets its ass kicked basically everywhere you look, and is constantly losing. Uh, how do I, how does it interface with this world that's running pell mell or the edge of a cliff and trying to drag every innocent living thing uh, with it, and is already making so many species go extinct? Like h- how do I reconcile this? Where do I see this going? Is there any hope for this vision? Are we already beat? Is it hopeless? Because there are people I respect who say. We're doomed. Like, get your ducks in a row, people. The, the best thing we could do is try to help as many species not go extinct um, on our way to definite extinction in like, in like within the next century or whatever. There's some people who say that, and they have good reason. And that's extremely depressing for me to think about, but maybe realistic. And then there are other people who are extremely smart and dedicated ecotopian people. Um, scientists, like I have my brother-in-law a PhD student, my, one of my best buddies is a PhD, uh, climate science person. So these are, these are very, um, accomplished scientists, people who have trudged through the tundra with icicles in their beard, carrying ice core samples by dog sled, you know, kind of, these are like, they're not just reading computer screens. This is like people who, who dedicate their lives to this work and they're hopeful. They're like, we are, we can still turn the boat, you know, we can still like make the titanic take a different tack and avoid the iceberg so i do feel oh i i tend to focus on that and yeah. and but whoop spirit the idea whoop means life is the spirit of life wanting to live that's the way i think about it it's it's what articulates life into being and then but more so articulates life into being extravagantly Unnecessarily over the top beautiful, so like the force of nature that would say, "I'm gonna make a bird," no, 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 I'm gonna make a peacock. You know mm-hmm. that that's whoop spirit to me. It's like uh, it's like kicking for the surface if you were getting held underwater, um, and then and then when you successfully emerge, not just taking a breath but like doing a funky dance, you know, like a dance no one has seen before. Like that <laughs> is the force of life wanting to live. That's, that's what makes life so beautiful and, and resilient and ferocious is that spirit of like, Oh man, like the, like we're going to die. Let's have sex, you know, or something like, <laughs> instead of just being, it's like, that's the hue that to me is what makes humanity so great and nature. So great is this extravagant, um, showmanship or show you know? And, um, So because of that, I, I, I find that all in order, sort of like Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, it's like one, one day at a time. Um, I try to focus more on the, on the, on that whoop spirit of like, it's like, okay, let's say I've been given, uh, the diagnosis of cancer or something. It's like, well, I'm, I'm whether or not I die ever from cancer. If I, you know, recover or I am destined to die in three weeks. The point is, is I want to try to make the healthiest choices I can live as ferociously, extravagantly beautiful and whooptastically as I can. Um, and, and I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to try to empower and encourage the hell out of everyone I see around me. Who's trying to do the same thing like the Alexandria Ocasio cortezs out in DC um, that, that force and the, and the, uh, and the community gardeners who are jumping the barbed wire fence that the cops put up around their community garden and and planting their beet seeds anyways and like you know singing wonderful farm songs as they're dragged off to jail it's like i to judge the efficacy of AOC or these or these community gardeners to me isn't as much the point as much as like my role on this planet is to sing their praises and to, and to give him a wink and a smile and be like you're not alone i'm with you too I, you know i i love i love you i love what you're doing i share your vision you're not alone and that's that's the that's all i can do and i hope that we avoid the iceberg and of course like like you know nobody knows but to be my my job you know i was raised christian though i don't consider myself christian anymore i was raised um believing that and there's this great thing that we would say in my family and in the church I was raised in, uh, uh, you know, God doesn't call me to be uh, successful. God calls me to be faithful. And I I like that. Um, Mm. Even as a non-religious person, I'm just like, yeah, I'm not called to be successful, quote unquote, in saving the planet from utter destruction and helping all of humanity get on board in ecotopia with ecotopia in their own diverse, unique cultural way. It's to, my job is to be faithful and like, to this vision that I feel, and to bring myself and my community as lovingly as I can into ecotopia, as I
0: hope they do for me how do how do you think um where we we would be able to uh, it and 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 tell me if you agree with this premise but I think it. you could argue that in order to fulfill this vision, it, it kind of needs to be all-inclusive um, in the sense of our perceived enemies need to be a part of it in some shape or form.
1: Yeah, tell me about that. What do you mean? Well,
0: I mean, it's because there's a lot of people that maybe don't feel the way you or I do about this uh And might listen to some of these ideas and think they're crazy or just like, just not really a way of life that makes sense to them or just like totally beyond their, you know, I mean, if, if if you want to take an extreme example, like pretty sure, you know. Just Donald Trump listening to this podcast is not gonna give a fuck about ecotopia and it's gonna totally totally gonna uh jive with his vision of the world. Yeah. Um and if, dude, if Donald Trump is listening to this podcast, <laughs> I just I've wanna succeeded. say <laughs> What up,
2: big D? <laughs> no, no. What up, T Rump? <laughs> okay. right. He's looking at you. Salt Lake City. <laughs> well, okay, but you, you see, know, but
0: there's lots of people that um aren't Donald <laughs> Trump, but perhaps um you know, we all we all know people that that support or voted for Donald Trump. And sure, some of those yeah. people are are family members or right. are extended family members or and people we love. People, people who we are in love. our family. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess I guess what I'm trying to get at is like how to like to me it seems like we need to be able to if if we're gonna succeed with this revolution evolution whatever however you want to frame it like it it needs to be one of love where everyone has a place in like we can't like you know just like otherwise it's just war otherwise it's just our side against the cops or our side against the republicans or our side against the Trump supporters and and wishing them away and just having the world be with with our kind, even if our kind might be representative of you know many people on the margins and others, but but like how, how do we extend <laughs> you know how do how do we love our enemy you know to, so they're not our enemies so so we can yeah. share a, a beautiful world with all its inhabitants because it's it seems to me like that would be necessary instinctively do you, would you agree with that yeah
1: oh man yes I do agree with that and it reminds me of parenting not that my children are my enemy but it, you know you know how it is <laughs> and so those of you who are listening who don't know Ezra and I personally we have children who are about the same age like in the three four range and basically if you're a parent or you've spent time with kids that age for long enough you see their um extraordinary abilities of uh of uh, of going ballistic and um yeah and letting it be known very powerfully and emotionally what they prefer and don't prefer and I think that uh my challenge it's it's very challenging to not take <laughs> and this may be a testament to my own sucky <laughs> crappy parenting uh abilities but to not take it personally at all and to not get whipped up into like dr- like uh pulled into his his vortex of um, emotion and to instead try my best to keep my eye on, on the focus point, not lose my balance, that this is my son who I love with every cell of my being. And ultimately what I want is for him to feel uh, respected, to feel honored, and to feel loved. And so I try, and so sometimes that takes the form of just like trying to empathize with him, like really trying to snap out of my own agenda, trying to empathize with his feeling, his core feeling, trying to identify what that is and help him find find out what it is and then hug him. And I think it's kind of similar with, with um, my T-Rump supporting family members is like ultimately I think their <clears throat> support comes from, you know, it's obviously speaking to something inside of them. That they feel so passionately.
0: These are not dumb
1: people, and, uh, and they are
0: evil people or mean-hearted all... people. I'm, I'm...
1: No, I mean, like it's so ironic because some of the like the people I'm thinking of in particular are, are like models of kindness in so many ways, and models of loyalty and helpfulness in uh, in their community and in uh, in their families. And so it's like it's so. It's like a total mind bender, right? And I'm sure they feel baffled too. Like how could my family who are good people, why would they why would they believe these ridiculous libtard ideas? You know, I've heard them say, you know, hmm. say that. <laughs> 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 and so maybe that's not so nice. Maybe that reveals that they're actually Satan. But no. Well, um, the, but I'm sure we've no, said
0: just as bad. Oh yeah, you know.
1: for sure. I'm sure they would be like, "You're calling the president of the United States T-Rump," you know, (laughs) and I'm like, "Yes, I am," and but that's, but I think the the ultimate point is, and and I addressed this on track eight of what music, the Walking People, which is that whether rather than focus on our division, which is great, you know, there's cultural massive cultural division, like fatal. Division, Like, people suffer and die based on the dif- our differences of political opinion. However, I also believe that most t rump supporters and I could find far more common ground than we would uh, disagreement. And so my goal with them is to build a relationship of love as best I can on the areas where we can rally together. For example, um, in The Walking People, I talk about... Um, you know, we all love our kids. Maybe, maybe not all of us do, but I know many of these people I'm thinking of, these t support, Rump supporters do, and I do, love our kids. Let's walk together. You know, we all, we are, we're all born helpless. Let's keep that in mind. If we can, if we can keep that in mind, let's walk together. Hmm. You know, we all need love. Let's walk together. We all need, we all need uh, justice. Let's walk together. We all need clean air and water. Let's walk together. You know, we all need each other. Let's walk together. We all need choice. We all need music. You know, whatever, wherever I can start building some common ground, I agree with you. Like it, The revolution has to be one of trying our best to be bridge builders and to try to find common ground in the midst of the impossible, seeming impossibility, in the midst of the fury, to find the empathy and to find the hug, um, to remember that we're family, that we need each other and to find the common ground, and to walk forward with them on that. If we can't walk forward with them on— if we're walking in opposite, <clears throat> oppositional directions, if we're literally facing off with the police officer, you know, to, to do it, to try to hold the samurai heart, you know, like this is not a personal fight. This is not between me and you. This is between—this is— um, we didn't come to fight flesh and blood, but for the love of our last wild places, but for the love of the children— who are who you've incarcerated, but for for love. That's why we're here, and we love you, up, and we love your children, and that's why we're here. And I think that that heart of empathy, and family, and and the desire to find common ground will imbue our movement and our protest, and our invitations to Thanksgiving dinner, and our conversations. Because, um, yeah. So that's that's yeah. And so so you want to listen to a hyper silly, uh, musical. Rendition of that idea, track eight, The Walking People on Take Your Peace Music.
0: So is, is there, is there really a a fight necessary when we still talk about fighting for the love of our children and fighting for the last wild places? And like, if, if I understand those are objectives and worthy objectives, but who, if, if, if everyone is going to have a place in this revolution and and we're going to see people, meet them with love and empathy and compassion and find common ground in humanity. It's like, well then who are we fighting or and is that, is that really the move?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I don't think we're fighting. I think it's rare that we're fighting human beings. Like ultimately most of us are just uh, like, you know, enacting the operating system that's been installed, right? Sort of by our culture. So I think we're ultimately fighting the operating system. We're fighting cultural ideas It's a war of ideas, and and it requires, um, I think, to be successful. It requires discipline, and it requires perseverance and persistence, and a lot of things that you you would bring in to you with a uh, into a struggle, um, or a fight. You could use that word, but maybe it's a struggle. But is is there to focus uh, to focus on love in the midst of of conflict? Because I mean, literally. uh, you know, we're facing off with police officers at a lot of these, a lot of these actions. You know, people who are standing up for to protect the water. Yeah. Right. I mean, or protect their their right to live on the land that their ancestors have lived on for a thousand years. The national guard, the army, the the cops, the sheriff's department—they come out. I mean, it is. There are guns. There are rubber bullets flying. There's tear gas. There are people getting their skulls split. Um. So it. Not, I, I don't think any of these people, any of us, want to fight. We don't want to, in the classic sense of physical violence, but physical violence is inflicted. So that there is a warrior-like um, uh, courage that's needed to maintain love while standing up to and protecting our physical livelihood, our land, our water, our air, and... Um, and again, yeah, not not trying to like go out and like seek revenge on on uh law enforcement or something. Because again, like actually one of the one of my relatives who's a T ROM supporter is a retired police officer. And again, and I is Yeah. So it's tough. <laughs> but well, sorry, I, I, but I... he Oh, go on. But yeah, so I, I think it I think that's what I mean when I say fight. It's like um I'm not saying Advocating for initiating violence, but when violence is initiated against us as it consistently and always is um, that we That we not shy away from the sort of warrior metal that is needed to maintain The beautiful vision the love or the quote-unquote enemy um, and understand that it's a fight against ultimately it's a fight against cultural ideas not against the particular person who's been manipulated into being the, the latest pawn, the latest soldier in the, uh, the latest bullet, you know, human bullet out of the gun of industrial civilization.
0: Can you speak a little about, uh, your experience as the co-director of the San Francisco Bicycle Music Festival and Bicycle Powered Music and, and that whole chapter of your life?
1: Yeah. So, <clears throat> after the early experiments that Shake Your Peace did with bicycle touring and hauling our own instruments with leg power and by bike to our shows on tour and then playing with a bicycle-powered sound system uh, where all the electricity is generated by the audience pedaling bicycles in place, um, the bicycle we rode to the show just set up with special kickstands that make elevate the rear wheel, and then allow it to be harnessed for electricity generation. After those experiments, I came back to the Bay, and with my buddy Paul Friedman of Rock the Bike
0: in Oakland, we... Let me j- interrupt for a second. You came back, you were yeah. in Utah when you did this, is that correct? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, the early tours were in Utah. Okay. And um, I did... Two? Two. Before we started Bicycle Music Festival in 2007. And so... How, and it how was, it, many, how, what was the distance of these tours? These were like from the top of Utah up in Logan. Um, the first one was down to up through uh, along the Wasatch Front through Park City and then down into Utah County. Um, and then the second, so that's like, I don't know how many miles that is, maybe a couple hundred, 250, two maybe something like that. And then the second tour was maybe a hundred actually don't know 100 miles 150 miles and then the second tour was from Logan at the top of the state down to St George at the bottom of the state so I uh, don't remember how long that one is but um and where they were
0: long where you were you were playing uh, <laughs> bars right
1: uh yeah playing everywhere I was yeah. playing they actually did play some bars played schools played uh, community theaters churches uh, uh meadows red Rock outcroppings. Um, we play. I played an alternative commencement graduation ceremony hmm. when the students at Brigham Young University decided that they could not tolerate having Dick Cheney as their commencement speaker. Oh, jeez! That uh, uh, about thirty of them organized an alternative commencement um, over at the university on the other side of town, and brought Ralph Nader out to deliver the commencement graduation. And I was invited to spe- You know, sing for that too. So it's like just wherever I could kind of play and lend support. And sometimes I'd play for zero people. Um, actually, I guess, no, nah, I never played for zero. I played for two. That was the, the smallest audience on the first bike tour. And then the biggest audience was probably that alternative commencement. That was in like a basketball stadium, college basketball stadium. Um, so yeah, so it's like a wide variety of stuff. But the point was, is that I felt super inspired. Paul felt super inspired. People in our community were like, this is possible. Wow. All the pedal powered concerts we'd been aware of up to that point had been, uh, accomplished with pedal powered sound systems that were driven in on the backs of big trucks. Um, so the concerts themselves were actually bigger in scale, uh, than what I was pulling off. But they had been trucked in as opposed to biked in, and then the other bicycle music tours that we were aware of that other bands had done were didn't include a bicycle powered sound system or were um sagged, so had like a van trailing them or offering support in that way so this this tour that I'd done was as far as we knew I mean I'd love to know if there's someone else who who was doing it too was the first unsupported um bicycle music tour. Using a, a bicycle transportable pedal powered sound system. So we decided let's start a music festival and in the park and just invite our friends who play music, pedal power it, and and just celebrate, have fun in the park outside together for free. And so that's what we did. And were you did you play in the first yeah, you played with Tao, right, at the first BMF?
0: Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You guys were our headliner at Dolores Park. That was great. And that was so fun. And that I think the great. bamboo, did a, was that the year that the bamboo pole fell on your head? Or was that the That, that was That, that was here? with
0: Stitchcraft, actually. Okay. That was a couple years later, I think, or the next year. Sorry yeah, about that. That hurt. I didn't miss a beat, oh, though. though. I gotta say. I just kept dude, on didn't know. drumming. A hell big, hell yeah, big dude. wooden pole just fell right on my head. And I just said, ow. ah Um, That was great. Yeah, there were some some definitely, uh, obviously there were some years with some infamous permitting issues with the city. Yeah,
1: the first years were unpermitted, and it was small enough, you know, 100 people, didn't really matter. But as it started to pick up steam, so basically it started doubling in size every year. We did it eight years. And by the third year, I think it was, the cops were aware of it. It was, like, in their calendar. Like, these chumps didn't get a permit, and they think they can hold this event in our parks without um, permitting. So we're, we're going to teach them the good old hard way. So they were waiting for us. At, they had our schedule. I mean, it was, it was online. They just waited for us at every place we rolled to to set up our sound system and wouldn't let us play. And so basically what ended up happening was, they fortunately, and you were playing that year uh, with Sean Hayes, so... And he was at Dolores Park waiting for us and was just, oh man, I just felt so bad because he was doing a, such a ma- massive solid to play for tips for the cause, you know, in the park, you know, some of his accomplishment and and professionalism. Um, so I felt, I was just like, oh no, this is bad. And uh, there happened to be a Movie in the park that day, yeah. and the organizer of that happened to be friends with Paul, and they were like, so they talked to the cops and were just like, hey, I'll include them under my event permit, like I'll take essentially take on the uh legal responsibility for what what this event. So I don't need, I don't know that guy's name, but you're listening, man, forever. Thank you for m- giving so many people such a wonderful evening and hosting that event. So it we ended up being able to set up you and Sean and band played. I Think you guys were a trio, right? I think it was actually just the duo
0: that that gig. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Okay. And um yeah, and people loved it and so that we were able to do some permitted music uh that on on the the, the day of the infamous BMF Smackdown. And then we rode out to the pier, the end of the oh, pier. Oh, yeah, that was where so fun. No cops were to be seen and then Tornado Rider They
0: were amazing.
1: Snee Goblin himself Rashad Eggleston on cello was jumping off the railings and shredding his ass off just being amazing and um, oh man we were exhausted and it was you were there it was elation and euphoria and something that can that kind of euphoria can only happen I think at the end of an exhausting all day bicycle powered music festival where you have no energy and then somehow you find yourself in a frenzied state I, I rem- at the yeah, end of a pier. That's exactly right. Cause I remember <laughs> yeah. riding there yeah.
0: and I was like, why are we doing another? We just had a great day. Like we just need to end it. Everyone's so tired. Why are we going out to this pier? Who are these right. musicians that are going to play? I just want to go home. It's night. right? Yeah. And then like, you know, wow, we've got there. We're waiting for everyone to set up the system. And then like, and then this trio, this is kind of like, I don't know, like, like a vir- virtuosic cello led punk band tornado yeah. rider just like from the note one it was just like i mean i don't know it was like everyone was just going off and and dancing and going crazy yeah it was like a frenzy it was a frenzy state. it was it was amazing
1: it was like santa claus and the <laughs> reindeer just like <laughs> like like blasted through the roof into a room full of like Four-year-old children on Christmas Eve at like 12 a.m. It was like these children should be are like way past their bedtime, but Santa is real. <gasps> ah, you know it was like that. That's it was amazing.
0: And then and then there was also some very memorable um, live on bike aspects of the Bicycle Music Festival from different years, which right you could maybe describe how that works Sure. So,
1: <clears throat> so in between our festival stops, uh, which were in the public parks we would connect, um, our. what well, we'd, we'd take a pilgrimage, a journey, bands, audience, crew, would pack the whole festival up onto bicycles and bicycle trailers, and then roll from one park to the next park. Uh,
0: and so at like the end, Golden Gate Park to Dolores Park. Right, Yeah, through totally. San Francisco, and the, yeah.
1: And in the later years, the, the sound system got so big that we could only do one one ride whereas the first year i think we had like six or seven venues or something right because the sound system was like one speaker you know so pretty a lot easier anyway so these rides took on that were their own like beloved part of the festival they were essentially a bicycle parade led by a bicycle drawn stage where a, a band would be perched on top facing backwards uh or their back would be the to the front of the parade, uh, and then there they would be facing the rolling audience, all the cyclists of the music festival, and then the sound would be relayed to um bicycles through through the crowd, um, wirelessly so that people could theoretically hear no matter where they were in, in the crowd. And uh, yeah, it was epic. I mean, we had we've had the opera oh, come yeah, and that sing, that was my
0: favorite. That was. That was so surreal just going with hundreds of bicycles and listening to these angelic voices and traffic stopping for you. It was I don't know. It was good memory.
1: I agree. Heavenly. And it's like, man, it could be this good. This is how like this is what this is what the streets could be filled with every day in Ecotopia. We just have op bicycle drawn opera for audience, rolling audiences of a thousand people for free where there was uh, just, like, construction noise or something. And not that, you know, construction noise needs to never be around, but just, like, why shouldn't there be a musical parade every day through the city of San Francisco and every city, you know, those sorts of things happening. So I think that was, like, the one of the beautiful parts of the festival is that everybody becomes an actor in the theater of Utopia. We're all life-acting a part of, like, this could be, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and 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 the by. they 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 join the theater too, and and we're all like, wow, this is what's possible, and it's and it's very one, it's a very wonder-filled, very childlike experience, to to realize we're in the middle of a of a dream, we're in the middle of somebody's or a, a community's dream that has been embodied and physicalized on the on the street of San, of a major U you know, S city it's like the 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 world cracks open possibilities crack open and we can peek through through the little through the little uh uh window to the plains of ecotopia they're laid open for us for just a moment and um yeah i on bike so that was directing it and co-founding it was <clears throat> a great learning experience for me i'm not a particularly well organized Person, I wouldn't say it's not one of my strengths. I'm not particularly great at um, interfacing with bureaucracy. I'm pretty good at talking and creating and socializing um, and not so good at the uh, running of businesses or organizations. So I'm sure BMF suffered a fair amount because of that. On the other hand, I also like built the website, uh, the first website and like created our logo and like did um you know supervised poster art booked all the bands like worked with all you know did yeah i did a fair amount of logistical work too i don't totally i shouldn't i shouldn't like make like shit on myself too much like but uh but you um, did a ton What's you, but I, <laughs> you did yeah.
0: everything basically um, <laughs> i mean not everything i did a,
1: ton. did a ton i did a ton and paul and paul has great strengths too he's um as the owner of rock the bike check it out rockthebike.com they create all manner of technologies for helping you rock your bike, whether that's bicycle powered sound systems or um, bike blenders um, or whatever, maybe. They sell lots of cool stuff. And Paul's, Paul does know how to run a business. He's, he's a talented entrepreneur, is um, and also extremely great with the technical side, uh, engineering, and that kind of stuff. He's He is a computer scientist by training and but is has can kinda of do it all. So our combined skill sets dovetailed well, even though I'm sure I frustrating a frustrating um, partner and at times likewise, but but we were a good a good functional partnership and and our best buds and I, I really appreciate that we encountered each other at the time we did in our lives and and were able to have so many amazing friends like you and sonia my i met my wife at the first kr or the first kr the first uh, bmf um our friend kr andrew brennan like these are former roommates of ezra's these are like some of the dear people there's so many oh my god there's so many heather normandale cello joe obo martin like just people who i so many relationships so many people i love who i was able to grow closer to through bicycle music festival. I mean, the list is, the list is huge. I'm thinking of so many names. I'm like, want to say all of them, but yeah, it was a beautiful, a beautiful celebration of our, of our community that we could include the larger city in and the world. I mean, people found out about it and an open source autonomous or an open source idea. So autonomous groups produce BMFs or BMF like events now all over the planet. And, Uruguay and uh, Europe and Canada. Canada's got two of them. Um, it's all over the place. So,
0: yeah. So if anyone's out there wants to put on a bicycle music festival, the the invitation is yours, or participate in one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thank you. You you really created the beautiful thing. So it was it was also a pivotal pivotal experience for, for me and solidifying certain community and friends and music and yeah. And hopefulness. So can't be, can't be, can't be underestimated. Gabe, we did it. We did it. Yeah. Yeah. It's (laughs) good to acknowledge that. So Gabe, you got, you, you did this record. Um, it's finished. Congratulations. Uh, you're no longer doing bicycle music festival. You're, you're, uh, living, um, uh, a uh, uh, you're living your life in Salt Lake City with your beautiful family. Um, you're not, uh, what, what is the future of Shake Your Peace, this record, uh, your, your thoughts on how you will keep working on Ecotopia, all this stuff, you know, where, 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 where's what we've been talking about headed in as far as you can tell with your life.
1: Thanks for asking. I would like to acknowledge first
0: anybody who is con-
1: still listening to this interview at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, may I ha- my hat is off to you. Thank you for being interested and now I'm going to answer the question. Okay. Um so the future I see for this music right now <clears throat> in addition to like having my fingers crossed like any unknown artist who's finished an album and Um, You know, it's trying to send it out to friends, musicians, friends of friends to try to get positive blurbs about the album or send it out to indie record labels and see if anyone wants to help it get heard or, um, you know, sending it to radio stations, whatever. I I have hope brimming in my little heart. My fingers are crossed that it'll get heard Uh, in terms of going on a tour with a band that can produce the sound that is on the album. I am not up for don't have the bandwidth to put or the finances to put together like a thirty person whoopistra to play this music. Which you but, have <clears> done,
0: <throat> which I should you have done that. Uh I have great American musical. I mean it's it's not something taste. that you sustained, but you know, uh you, you you've you've performed this music with large ensembles. I'll just I'll right. just note for the record.
1: Yes, and it was it's draining. It's like I mean I, for my personality to try to coordinate the practices and deal with the internal band drama and everything at that at that scale is quite uh, taxing for me at the time. At this point, I actually feel better equipped, I think to deal with that aspect of things. but um, the way I see this music getting out into the world primarily is through the vent through the venue of musical theater. I think that uh, what I'm ultimately envisioning is sort of like a ritualistic theater experience, not as much through kind of a hybridization of musical theater and rock and roll um, in the sense that uh, the music would be what you hear on the album, uh, but it would be interspersed with sort of stump speeches inspiring spoken word elements and uh, dancing and clowning and kind of other theatrical mo- uh moments the and it would happen in, in immersively in the round so i don't em- envision there being any stage classical stage or um or seats in the audience it would just be basically like one big space with a lot of uh, sort of props and furniture, so to speak, like platforms for people to stand on and hang on and swing on, whatever. And then this band of singing, musicianing, dancing, acting people kind of swarm the audience and immerse them in, immerse ourselves in a in like a in a communal uh, journey into our own spirit, our own expression of whoop and getting whoop or connecting to that spirit within us of life, wanting to live of like, of, uh, of our own, uh, primal freedom of, of the, of the ultimately victorious wilderness that lives inside of us. The, the, the part that the intelligent part that clicks on when we're dancing and we turn off our over intellectualizing mind and, you know, it's, our sweat drops are testament to to connect with that whoop spirit, to feel that hope for that vision for them, for that world of eco and sustainable justice or uh, social justice communally. And then, and through the music party together and through the spoken word, like edify this sort of, uh, this hunch that we all feel that a more beautiful world is possible. And then to ritualistically bash through the concrete wall that, Stands in our community's way, um, and so there's a song that I have that's not on this album, but it's about the uh, destruction of the Glen Canyon Dam, which bottles um, the Glen Canyon up in the Colorado River down in the southern Utah Arizona area, the world, and in this song, the dam is is comically destroyed uh, by a wave, a tidal wave of ecotopians, and so that's gonna kind of be the crescendo of this musical where the audience and band and everyone literally just, we kind of get this speech, like this braveheartish sort of speech, pre-battle Braveheart speech, and then we just run through this curtain that's painted into like a, a concrete dam. And so we, we journey together through the concrete and experience the euphoria and ecstasy of having bicycle powered an entire musical together and dancing together in our own community style of music, um, co-creating this and being a part of a scene that is actually, not just metaphorically, is actually an alternative to a mainstream culture. Like we are both suggesting and enjoying the culture that we are, uh, that we're describing and so and i uh, the the other reason that musical theater is my outlet of choice at the moment uh, it seems the most realistic way is because it's stationary like i can do it in the same theater so i don't have to deal with the logistical physical um trials of trying to bring this kind of a, a group of this size on a bicycle tour everybody hauling all the gear on bicycles and all the complications there similarly as a dad i don't I'm am willing to tour if the right opportunity came up, but I'm not. That's not something I am excited by um, and not something I personally want to pursue. It's like traveling the world and touring and seeing the world and rocking for people in that way. So being able to perform this music night after night in the same city where I live and be home, um, you know, put the kids to bed and then head off to the theater kind of thing would be ideal for me and my personality and then uh, also I think there's a lot more funding possible funding for a musical theater production than there is in the indie music world like I'm most like that Great American show I think I walked away with like two dollars you know after expenses and everything and all the splits and everything it's just I it's not a it's not a realistic um, outlet for me short of short of some like rad musician more famous more successful band like kind of taking me under their wing and being like put a band together and come open for us on our on our epic tour sort of something like that happening I don't see how it actually like could economically even work like to put a a sizable band together and then hit the road like I just don't see that whereas musical theater I can imagine getting enough like theater grants and arts grants and stuff like that to scrape a production together in like some old crappy warehouse but but make it happen on that budget because there isn't travel involved and there isn't trying to host people uh, at nighttime involved and feeding all these people. It's like, we're just performers and the PA stays where it is. It's like bikes are set up. They, we don't have to break them down, set them up every single day. It's just like, everything's where it is. So I think it's seems like the right, the perfect storm for if this idea is going to get performed, which I really wanted to, it seems like musical theater is is the way to go. So I'm starting to look into that and apply for you know, arts fellowships and grants and
0: things like that. Awesome, awesome. That Yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, I wish you very well on this journey. And if people want to uh, check out and follow up with you um, and Shake Your Peace and this record and your experiences in shakerpeace.com, where do they go?
1: Yeah, shakeyourpeace.com is uh should be live pretty soon here. I have actually been working on it last week. And in the meantime, you can also go to um shakeyourpeace Bandcamp. By the way, shakeyourpeace is spelled
0: P E A C E.
1: Shakeyourpeace Bandcamp. The album is not officially released, but
0: it's it might, it able might be, to be out st- by the time this comes out though, so oh, okay. where do you think Okay. Okay, cool.
1: Yeah, go to so, shakeyourpeace.com. You should you can yeah. stream the music, buy Music, if you feel like it, or donate, or whatever. I think it's gonna, I think you can name your own price. I'm not sure how Wix allows me to do that. And then, um, yeah, and you can, you can email me or message me through the site. We're on, I'm on Facebook, not snazzy enough to be on Instagram because I'm that old, I guess. Uh, but maybe I'm (laughs) gonna change that. I'm on Twitter, but I don't ever check it or tweet. Um, so yeah, probably the website, shakeyourpeace.com, folks. And I should also,
0: um, I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to talk about this more, but I should we should mention, Gabe, you were one half of uh, another musical project, a duo with your wife, Sonia Cotton, who's an amazing uh, singer and songwriter in her own right, but called Tiny Home, which is very different from Shake Your Peace. But yeah. um, if you could describe Tiny Home in a couple sentences, how would you? Sure. Tiny
1: Home plays um, duets of obscure and uh carefully curated gems
0: in in a in a uh in ha- in a haunting um uh dreamy folk folk style with amazing yeah. harmonies
1: yeah it's very gentle and it's just very simple it's just like a guitar and two uh and and vocal harmony and there's not, you know, a lot of effects. We don't use electric guitars or anything. It's just like a nylon string guitar and two voices, sort of like early Simon and Garfunkel, or um, in in the sense of it's kind of super straight ahead, you know, folky, folk on the porch sort of idea, or folk in the
0: in the living room, maybe. Yeah, but super beautiful, super lush, uh, very different Thanks. from Shaker Piece, but worth, totally worth checking opposite. out. Yeah, yeah um all right well um let's i'm gonna i'm gonna end this officially we'll stay on the line for just two seconds but anyway thanks so much for your time gabe and uh yes yeah thanks for for yeah it was great to have you on the show
1: thanks as i appreciate you asking me i'm honored to be included in this like lineup of interview subjects who are like the major badasses around, that i look up to so I'm like way honored and I feel like why am I here in the cool kids club of the Ezra Lip Hour more or less but I appreciate it a lot so thank you I'm honored
0: okay so there you have it Gabe Dominguez quite the extraordinary guy I'm sure you would agree if you made it this far thanks for listening um so as I mentioned in the beginning of the show Gabe's latest endeavor is something called Ecotopian Now so the um he is currently putting together a 20-person band, no surprise there, with uh, five dancers and a theater team to tour high schools and colleges, spreading the word about urgent climate science using spectacular, bicycle-powered, experimental music theater. The banded dance are part of the equation he's calling Shake Your Peace in the Whoopestra and the hour-long show which includes the bands and the dancers and the theater is called ecotopia. Now he'll be touring, uh, all over, um, well, touring salt Lake city schools, at least, um, with two tours coming up this spring. Uh, the first one will be April 20th to, uh, I think the 24th and, um, the next one will be, i um, sorry, I don't. Okay. Yes, the 20th to the 24th. And then followed by a second one, September 14th to 19th, touring Utah, U- high schools in Utah and colleges, spring 2020. So, anyway, if this sounds like something you might want to bring to your town, you should reach out to Gabe. Uh, go to Ecotopia now. Get in contact with him through that and uh, you can learn more about the vision and the mission there it seems really cool i'm really excited that uh gabe's dreams are being manifested it seems like a perfect embodiment of everything we were talking about as far as the next adjacent possibility uh forging a path to ecotopia anyway so There you have it. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I'd love it if you wanted to to, uh, spread the word about these episodes, leave a rating or review on iTunes. It really helps get the word out. You know the drill. Um, And Gabe, thanks again for coming on the show. If you want to hear more of the Shake Your Peace album, unfortunately, at the time of this recording, Gabe, it is still, as far as I can tell, only on Bandcamp. Nothing against Bandcamp. It's a great service, but come on, it's it's 2020. Get that shit on Spotify. It's not that hard. Okay, it's part of my part of my language there. But um, anyway, you know, hopefully it, uh, that little uh, nudge will have it on iTunes and Spotify and all the other major distribution platforms soon, where it belongs. You can also check out Tiny Home, uh, Gabe and Sonia Cotton's amazing musical duo. They play uh, shows around Utah. They also play a lot of weddings, including my own. They're beautiful, beautiful group there. All right. Well, that's it for today's episode. Thanks again, and um, yeah, let's let's keep uh, doing the good work that we're all doing. It'll 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 pay off, so to speak. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye.